Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. Polyamory is far from a uniform and unvarying way of relating to others. Instead, as seems true for most things involving humans, polyamory exhibits a wide range of variation. In this episode, we'll explore some of the many ways in which a given person can choose to show their love for more than one partner. Note that while our reflections here are focused on polyamory, a similar situation also holds true for monogamous relationships. We can begin by considering what constitutes style in the context of polyamorous relationships. It seems to me that there are at least two major dimensions in which poly relationships can differ from one another. The relationship goals of the partners and the ways in which they choose to pursue those goals. The more I compare notes with those who are practicing polyamory, the clearer it seems to me that each such person is on their own unique path. There is no one way or right way to engage in polyamory. Practitioners vary widely in their personal life circumstances, in what they seek in their relationships, and in the personality that they bring into those relationships. In considering the goals that an individual sets for their relationships, that is, what they hope to get out of those relationships, one finds a wide range of objectives. Those include things such as companionship, opportunities to pursue sensual and sexual satisfaction, building a sense of belonging and community, receiving love and support, and many other things. Different goals call for different sorts of engagement. A sense of belonging might thrive in an environment that involves frequent interaction with a relatively large number of people, whereas a sensually, sexually, or emotionally intimate connection might best be achieved through consistent, close interactions with one or a very few special partners. Those environmental differences are reflected in partner schedules, in the form of the frequency and nature of scheduled interactions. Those interactions can be focused on shared fun times and entertainment, or on opportunities for intimacy, or on specific life activities that can range from mundane chores through shared special celebrations. Some poly couples focus on spending quality time with one another, but on an infrequent basis. At the other extreme, other couples share a relationship that involves the daily and ongoing interactions of nesting together and maintaining a household. Some couples have long-distance relationships, perhaps supplemented and maintained or not through occasional teleconferences or phone exchanges. Others live together or in close proximity in order to enable frequent interactions. There is no one formula that captures all possible styles of polyamory. Instead, the form that each poly relationship takes is based on what goals the partner set for their relationship. Polyamorous relationships also vary widely in terms of how each practitioner chooses to engage with other partners. As I have described in prior episodes, I think of poly relationships as loosely fitting two distinct categories. Broad polyamory, in which a person cultivates connections with several and perhaps many different partners, and narrow polyamory, in which a person invests their energy in only two or a very few poly relationships. As I've also previously noted, because we humans have finite time and a finite capacity for connection, broad poly relationships may involve less depth of emotional connection and or time commitment than what characterizes narrow poly relationships. 
A broad poly practitioner's time and energy are spread across a large number of partners, while a narrow poly practitioner may allocate that same amount of time and energy across fewer partners. Again, neither style is better or worse than the other. A broad or narrow style just reflects what a particular poly practitioner's relationship goals are. Another dimension in which polyamorous relationships can differ is that of degree of commitment that a person feels for their partners. Commitment entails the allocation of resources, time, energy, money, or emotional energy, by one person to a particular partner. Those who choose to be in a nesting arrangement, that is, living together, must agree as to how to partition both partners' time, energy, and money so as to cover all of the needs of cohabitation. Those who are not living together may instead individually focus their personal resources on covering their individual life needs. Such a couple still needs to make decisions about how they will divide their available time and attention across their set of partners. In addition, every polyamorous person must decide how to apportion their emotional closeness across their various partners. This is where sticky questions of relationship hierarchy, or lack thereof, can arise. As humans, we naturally all have our favorite partners with whom we may feel exceptionally close. Our preferences can and do shift over time, as in the interest-focusing effects of new relationship energy, or NRE. We can still have genuinely caring relationships with others, but in honesty they are probably not as emotionally significant to us as are our core partners. Typically, our felt degree of emotional closeness will be reflected in how much of our time and other resources we devote to each partner. Attachment is a term that describes how strong an emotional bond we feel with a given partner. That bond reflects the felt emotional closeness that we just considered. The natural consequences of feelings of attachment are that we want to spend time with the object of our attachment, and our happiness and satisfaction can become at least somewhat dependent on our feelings of acceptance and support from the person we're attached to. Some poly practitioners view attachment as an inherently bad thing, because it effectively reduces a person's independence from their partner. However, I see attachment as a natural consequence of growing emotionally close to someone. In emotionally opening ourselves to a partner, we make ourselves vulnerable to having them disappoint us by not fulfilling our expectations. However, that risk seems to be the unavoidable price to be paid in also opening ourselves to receive all of the good things that a partner has to offer. Perhaps the only way to mitigate that risk is to recognize that we are each responsible for satisfying our own core needs, and thus should not burden a partner with unrealistic expectations. At the same time, we can practice gratefully receiving whatever gifts our partner is able and willing to freely offer us. As I've noted repeatedly in prior episodes, we humans are members of an interdependent species. We are not independent and totally autonomous. We rely on each other. In forming intimate relationships, we open ourselves to receive love and support from our partners, just as we offer those same gifts to our partners. As we grow emotionally close to one another, we form attachments, and those come with an attendant voluntary surrendering of a part of our individual freedom. In healthy and mutually satisfying relationships, this trade-off of personal freedom for received love and support stops short of rendering a person inappropriately dependent on their partners. Instead, the support that flows between partners weaves their lives together in ways that are satisfying and beneficial to all. As we've just seen, polyamorous relationships, like monogamous relationships, can take many different forms. 
They can vary in regard to the goals for each relationship, the number and intensity of engagement of relationships, the degree of physical, energetic, or emotional commitments that exist between partners, and the degree of emotional attachment or bonding that is felt in each relationship. Polyamory is a form of relationship that includes many distinctive styles. In seeking a compatible and stable monogamous relationship, it's important for the partners to agree on what they want out of their relationship and in how they prefer to relate to one another. Similarly, in polyamory, it's important for partners to understand and make intelligent choices about their respective styles. Polypartner styles need not be identical, but each participant should determine whether their prospective partner style is likely to satisfy what that participant seeks from the relationship. A lack of realistic hopes and expectations is likely to lead to disappointment and hurt, as is also the case for mismatched monogamous relationships. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group, the Two Open Doors meetup group, and the Two Open Doors website at twoopendoors.com. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors. <music>